Welcome to the Terrible Podcast with your host from SteelersDepot.com, where you can find all your latest and greatest Steelers news. It's Dave Bryan and Alex Kazora, always lit, talking Steelers. And now, here's Dave and Alex. Welcome to the Terrible Podcast Season 14, Episode 15. He's Dave Brian. I'm Alex Kazora, SteelersDepot.com. Thanks for being back with us here this Monday, Steelers Nation. Dave, the 2023 streamies were held last night, and yet again, we did not win because we were not nominated for any category at all. I don't know if you know what the streamies are. They're the uh, award for the uh, online podcasts and YouTube videos and stuff like that, but I think we'll make it through because we have a bunch of Steelers news to talk about today. How you doing? I'm doing good. I think my wife gets the streamies every night about 2 a.m. in the morning. <laughs> oh, don't call out Tiff like that. Poor woman. As she naps down there on the couch right now, and mm-hmm. I'm uh, up at 4.45 in the a.m. Uh, maybe she won't hear this, but... Uh, yeah, I'm doing well. Uh, is football in the air up uh, where you're at? Is it, uh, the weather starting to change a little bit yet, or is it still hot there? It's a little bit crisp. The weather's starting to change. And Kevin Dotson, speaking of change, he is on his way out of Pittsburgh. He's probably headed to L.A. right now. Sunday evening, trade happening. The Pittsburgh Steelers dealing offensive guard Kevin Dotson to the LA Rams for a couple of 2024 and 2025 pick swaps. We'll talk about the, the details here in just a moment, but well, you didn't talk- want, you didn't want no small talk there. Did you, you just want to get right into this thing. Well, All right. Let, I, let, let I me think roll with today's news, <laughs> let, yeah, let's, I, let's get at it. Yeah. I think people want to jump right into the, uh, the Dotson news here because it is so, you know, just top of mind here for the day. So Dotson headed to the Rams. Uh, it's a deal we, we've talked about for a while. You and I, would Dotson make the team? If there was somebody that was going to be dealt, it was probably going to be someone like him because of the value he would have as an offensive lineman, which is you know, more valuable than other positions to trade for. So what's your instant reaction to Kevin Dotson heading to the Rams? I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. I- <laughs> <laughs> right, there you go. <laughs> that, 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 that's my reaction. Look, uh, I, uh, this is, you know, I've been talking about before the draft. You know, I thought maybe there was a chance that he'd get traded, uh, you know, during during the draft. Obviously, uh, that didn't happen. But then, you you know, you move on through. Uh, obviously, you know, you had gotten through free agency at that point. And uh, you just kind of dots his initial kind of reaction to the whole Sayamalo thing and her, you know, uh, her big thing. It uh, you just kind of got got a growing sense that you know well hey you obviously knew who you know barring injury he was going to be you know second you know at best second string in 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 this situation here and you know just the further you got into this thing and obviously be, being able to get through uh uh the preseason and training camp uh relatively healthy overall you still had kind of that growing sense and look, I mean, you got some good play. We'll talk about it. Uh, some of these younger offensive linemen, uh, there as well too. He, he just, you know, he, he came, he became, you know, what really was expendable right from the word go, go earlier in the off season and things that have transpired, uh, throughout the rest of the summer has kind of made him expendable, uh, as, you know, as well there. So no, I'm, I'm, 
I'm obviously not shocked one bit. I think uh, uh, the compensation, uh, I, I think, was good overall there. You know, I, I think there were some barriers there that made uh, the list of teams probably wanting to trade for him a little bit uh, shorter. I mean, you, you got to remember that he had received the proven performance escalator bump uh, this past offseason due to, you know, uh, snaps played throughout his first three uh, seasons. He, he, he is now in the final year of his rookie contract. That bump in pay got him up to two point, you know, over two point seven uh, uh, million uh, this season. So, uh, you know, you, you kind of were in a situation this close to, to final cut down day where you really had to look long and hard at, 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 you know, the best compensation you could get overall. And I think the Steelers did that. And, uh, you obviously, what, what's the compensation you want to tell, tell the people mm-hmm. about the sure. compensation in this. Right. And that comes from ESPN's prior reporting shortly after the trade last night. So it's a couple of pick swaps. Uh, the Steelers and Rams will swap their, uh, Uh, fourth round and fifth round picks in 2024. So Pittsburgh will get the Rams 2024 fourth round pick. The Rams will get Pittsburgh's 2024 fifth round pick. And then in 2025, they'll do another pick swap Pittsburgh getting the Rams fifth round pick and the Rams getting Pittsburgh's sixth round pick. So a little complicated, but basically fourth, fifth round uh, pick swaps in 2024 and fifth and sixth round pick swaps in 2025. And that could be a pretty big difference in terms of picks because the Rams, I mean, we'll see how good they are, but that roster looks among the worst in football, especially defensively. It's Aaron Donald and a bunch of other just random dudes. So who knows how it'll shake out, but, you know, it actually might be some some decent value in terms of, you know, how much Pittsburgh moves up in the draft. Yeah, and, you know, obviously we don't, you know, know what, what's in store for the for the 2023 Steelers, but, yeah, I personally, I kind of expect them to be better uh, than the 2023 Rams, at least where we sit right now. Uh, that could obviously change, but, you know, if, they're, you know, if the Rams don't have a great season at all, uh, you could be looking at what, what would essentially be a very, uh, you know, very high, you know, pick in that, uh, in, 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 in that fourth round there, right? You know, and sure. uh, once again, I, I think it was a situation of, you know, you, you look around and feel the calls and get the best offer you can, then 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 go ahead and uh, pull the trigger. And I think that's uh, that's what they did. And, you know, they they were wise overall to wait and get through uh, the preseason. Look, I, I, I think this you can put your tinfoil hat on here and say, you know, he probably could have played in that preseason uh finale if that had been a regular season game would Kevin Dotson had suited up for that one uh more than likely uh, in my opinion yes but this might also have been a situation where the Rams said hey look we're, we're probably going to be ready to go uh with this deal after this final preseason game here uh we would highly suggest you not play Kevin Dotson especially if he's dealing with a little bit of a banged up shoulder there which you know I think he obviously uh was there I I I don't think he was surprised when they came and told him that he was being dealt sure. I mean the writing's kind of been on the wall for a while now they go out there and they they first sign Nate Herbig in free agency and at the time we we both kind of assumed he was going to be the starting left guard and then of course they take the big swing and sign Isaac Saymalu who was obviously going to be the starting left guard and Herbig was obviously going to become the top backup and so 
where did that leave Kevin Dotson? Really nowhere overall. And so, you know, we kind of we we've been talking about this basically since that happened back in uh, you know, early free agency. And so finally the deal comes to fruition. And I, I I've said it before, and I just viewed Kevin Dotson as a talented player, a frustrating player because he was so inconsistent, but just not a good scheme fit in Pittsburgh for what Pat Meyer wanted. There were mental mistakes the more aggressive pass sets he was never really comfortable with. It's not really his forte overall. And so I think he could have success with the Rams more so than what I think happened in Pittsburgh last year, where to his credit, he started all 17 games, did not miss a snap. He's shown his toughness this summer playing through that shoulder injury. I just viewed him as a poor fit in Pittsburgh for this current group. And then obviously really without a role when you add, say, Amalu, when you add Herbig, and I'm sure we'll talk about what this means for the still remaining Steelers offensive linemen and some of the emerging young guys. And that may have been the final thing that pushed Kevin Dotson out of Pittsburgh. Yeah. Uh, he, to me, he's a guy that you just line up with, and, and, and let go. You know, he's more of a mauler coming out of uh, Louisiana Lafayette. Uh, not, not technical. You know, uh, not one of those uh, real, real technical type guys. You just tell them to go get, tell mm-hmm. them to block the guy in front of you, right? <laughs> uh, you know, maybe a different system. Uh, you know, uh, will will be good for him. And now at least he's going to. Pro- I would like to think that he's going to get a strong opportunity to at least open the 2023 season with the Rams as a starter. To my understanding, they've got a couple of nicked up people, uh, oh, you know, oh, over there right now. So look, if he can uh, turn it around and limit those penalties and uh, be a little bit more sound overall, you know, maybe he can parlay this into a little bit better contract after the uh, after the 2023 season. But uh, long story short, uh, we we both left him off of our 53 uh, man roster projections here, the final ones there. So uh, to me, it felt like he was going to be gone one way or the other, and he's gone before final cuts are made via trade. And I'm just looking at the Rams depth chart, obviously have not followed this team in depth and don't know exactly what they're working with. But Dodson may go back to right guard, which was his home in college. They have a right guard right now, according to our lads, a man named Tremaine Ankrum Jr., a 2020 seventh round pick, frankly, a name I'm not familiar with. They do have Steve Avilia at left guard, who we talked about when he came out of TCU this year. Could be a couple of mauling guards there in Pittsburgh with Dodson and Avilia. So Maybe there's going to be a better scheme fit there, but I just don't think it worked well enough in Pittsburgh. But the only thing I would caution, and I mentioned this last night, and I want to get your thoughts here, because when Pittsburgh officially announced the trade last night, but they did include once it becomes official, once Dotson passes a physical, and we know he's dealing with that shoulder injury. It was painful, Dave. I saw him at camp. He was really battling through it, and obviously they held him out of the finale because of it. So I just want to make sure we get past that last hurdle of, (laughs) Past the physical, I assume the Rams are aware that he's dealing with an injury and, you know, he's, he's played for most of the summer, but I just want to mention that because you just never know. Oh, they didn't call no backsies, did they? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, Khan, I, uh, I, I have a feeling we'll, we'll find out by the end of the day, right? Because sure. especially with, uh, uh, you know, uh, getting around that 24 hour, uh, period where, where, uh, you know, obviously teams got to cut, cut the active roster down. So, uh, we'll, we'll find out, uh, very, very soon whether or not he passed that physical or not. Right. And logically you think that he, he would, but you just never know. I know there was 
a waiver claim, different different scenario, not a trade. It was a waiver claim guy that got claimed by the Patriots or somebody, and and it you know, was nullified because he failed his physical. So just you just never know about those types of things. But let's. What do you want to talk about here? Uh, more on yeah, Dotson, more on yeah, the impact bro. of the current roster. Yeah, real quick on uh, you know obviously with his uh, salary being mm-hmm. one of the little bit uh, of the guys that we talked about this season, he kind of wondered whether or not you know one way or the other they weren't going to be on the fifty three that are currently in the rule of fifty one. Obviously, he has a, a was due a base salary of two point seven four three million that we talked about earlier. There's going to be a little almost one hundred sixty five thousand in 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 dead money associated uh, with this move that's nothing really in the grand scheme of things and obviously you get that that you know, the rams are i haven't heard otherwise i would assume they're going to take on that full uh full salary uh as as part of that deal and and assuming that happens after roster displacement uh takes place in the current rule of 51 they will save 1.803 million dollars uh in 2023 salary cap space and this is yet another kind of thing when you look at this this team situation i broke the uh, look you can thank me for this this uh this trade happening because <laughs> i i just posted a salary cap update uh sunday afternoon oh, there right uh you know ahead of uh what i what i thought was going to be a you know busy couple of days coming up here and then not you know, several hours after that uh they deal kevin dotson but you are in that territory now i believe and even more in that territory right now of will this team or won't this team have to restructure the contract of 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 TJ Watt and if they do have to restructure it uh to any degree here in 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 the next week or so uh it probably isn't going to have to be one of those full uh, restructures if you remember back to September what was it first or seventh uh, I think last year was when they announced the uh, or when when it got reported that T.J. Watt restructured his contract, and that was not a full one. They uh, they they cleared uh, just six point seven five million, if memory serves me, as part of that restructure. So what what happens as far as this final, you know, cut down and all like that? Uh, you know, is a guy like Gunnar Olszewski, is a guy like Montrevious Adams, some of those guys where you save a little bit a little bit more significant salary cap space if they're if they're gone uh could play into this and uh uh and and all but we'll obviously have our answers here in a little bit more than uh 24 hours uh you know as far as what's going to happen with the initial cuts and then you know uh, up until the start of the season uh, we'll wait and see what happens with the whole uh, T.J. Watt thing, but not a huge amount of savings when it comes to trading away Kevin Dotson. But one point eight uh, million dollars is nothing to sneeze at, uh, you know, either, especially when it comes to a decision like uh, will they or won't they uh, restructure the contract of T.J. Watt? Right now, that's good information there, and I'm, I'm guessing there'll be a. Will you do another cap update to reflect this, or will you kind of wait post-53 just to see where things land by Wednesday, Thursday? Yeah, look, I mean, at this point, you've got several moves on tap, so... uh I mean, I, I can give you a running total with the with the uh, Kevin Dotson uh, trade right now. They are sitting at... Uh, and also, there was uh, one at least one injury settlement that came in right now. It looks like they're 
not counting the uh, injury settlement uh, money this morning, uh, the Kevin Dotson deal alone puts them at 12.205 and some change under uh, the salary cap. The uh, the adjustment made on the NFLPA site this morning was $79,167. Now, either that's one of Butler or uh, uh, Cody White. Cody White getting a three-week settlement, or it's them combined getting three weeks. In other words, one guy getting one week mm-hmm. and the other guy uh, getting two weeks. They don't differentiate on that main sheet, so you kind of have to let this play out. You know, in other words, if there if if only one of those two players had an injury settlement hit the NFLPA sheet uh, today, one would think that the if there was another one out there it would hit tomorrow. So we should have a finalization on that. But at least one of them, if not both of them, hit the NFLPA sheet this morning. Once again, I mean, you're talking about you know seventy nine thousand, low over seventy nine thousand dollars. So it's not a big number. But uh, uh, look, this team's got a full practice squad to set. Still, that's probably going to be around four million dollars there. You've got a fifty second and fifty third player uh, that need to be accounted for. That's going to be at least one point five million dollars. This team currently has uh, a little little bit short of two million dollars on their injured reserve list. That'll that'll begin counting, and then. Really, the biggest question all within this is how much does Omar Khan want to go into this season with with available salary cap space? I've been working with a number of $9 million as a budget uh, uh, all offseason based on what they've done the last two seasons. Will he lower that number uh, this year? Will it be the same? Will it be more? That's the gigantic, quite, I mean, nine million is a lot of money, right? You know, when, mm-hmm. when, it, when it comes to cap space here, that's the biggest unknown quantity. And unfortunately, Omar Khan will not return my phone calls ah. with, with, with me asking him to tell me what that number is going to be. I apologize. Come on, Omar, help us out here a little bit. But good information there. I know keep us updated based on what happens. It's going to be busy cap-wise, roster-wise over the next couple of days. And so maybe once the dust settles, we'll get a lay of the land here later this week but with dots and anything else in terms of the player himself being dealt again i just think a realization that there's some talent there offensive linemen are in demand so there's going to be interest in other teams wanting to acquire him i think the value is fine it's not amazing but i think it's it's just for the player and the expiring contract that he is and it's always made sense for dots to be playing elsewhere in 2023 i agree let's talk about uh why they were why they were able to move move on from him Sure. I mean, obviously, the, the the headliners here, when you add, say, Malu, the starter, and add Herbig, the backup, and I assume if you're trading dots and you feel comfortable with Nate Herbig's health, and he said he's going to be ready for week one, so this is kind of another confirmation box checking of that, but I think there were two players lower on the depth chart that I think are going to make the 53 that made this team feel extra comfortable about trading Kevin Dotson, those two players, and Josh Carney wrote about them yesterday, are rookie Spencer Anderson, and I think especially Dylan Cook, who's kind of come on strong the last two or three weeks of uh, of the summer. So Anderson, a guy that's played all five spots in camp, played a bunch of spots in the preseason, and has you know guard value and versatility. And then we saw Dylan Cook playing left guard in that finale, and I thought played pretty well at that position. That may have been the final thing that told Pittsburgh, okay, Let's move on from Kevin Dotson. Yeah, look, uh, uh, 
you know, Anderson, we, we've, we've, uh, why, look, this is why right, right at the start of training camp, I pepper you with, tell me about the offensive line rotation. Uh, you know, uh, tell mm-hmm. tell, tell me about the groups. And, uh, I think one thing that, that I think two things with, with this group became apparent, uh, uh, as, as we got into through training camp and then into the start before the, right before the start of the preseason was that Spencer Anderson was indeed going to move around. The question was, would he play? How 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 many spots would he play uh, during the preseason? That ended up being four in total. The only position he did not play during a preseason game was left tackle, and I'm pretty upset about that. Uh, hmm. uh, and you know, and I thought he represented himself very well uh, overall uh, there when it came to that. And then a guy like Dylan Cook. I mean, I, I think you you slowly track that thing right that he's moving up in. In, in 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 line reps there and then even in preseason you got to see him move up I think in 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 groups he ended up playing right tackle left tackle and left guard uh uh in in the preseason and when they try to showcase that kind of versatility uh I think while as part of even moving up you know a little bit in in rotation there I think there's I think there's a lot to read into that uh overall and uh, I I do agree, and you know I think our our 53 man rosters uh, that that we predicted you know jive with it as well too. I I think these are the two guys, assuming assuming they keep nine, and assuming they don't go out and trade for a center here and now. Those are the two guys that are that that are the big winners here. I'm with you, and I think that was the calculation, and we'll talk about this maybe more when we discuss our final Steelers roster predictions that were made pre-Dotson trade, but both left Kevin Dotson off of our predictions. We'll talk about where those guys slot in more, but I think Pittsburgh wants to hold on to their young and versatile and hopefully developing offensive linemen in Anderson, in Cook, and that kind of really squeezed Kevin Dotson out. So that, I think, was the the final straw that told Pittsburgh, okay, let's let's go ahead and make a deal for Kevin Dotson. There are some people out there that think that this is a positive for uh, Kendrick Green making the 53-man roster. Uh, all pe- people should know where, I, where 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 I stand and where you stand on 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 Kendrick Green at this point. Uh, look, even even though I think he represented himself uh, better in this preseason finale uh, uh, at right guard. You have to rewind this, I think, personally, and look at the the entire context here. And during the 2023 preseason, Kendrick Green mainly played the center position. He played 112 snaps in total there in the three preseason games. And they gave him just 19 snaps at right guard uh, in in the preseason finale against the Falcons there. this is the same uh, Kendrick Green that logged 0.000 snaps in 2022 as an inactive, healthy scratch uh, throughout uh, the 2022 season. Uh, his play at center during the preseason, I I didn't view as being all that impressive uh, there. And I will state once again that if they if they keep Kendrick Green on this 53-man roster, I, I I would view this as malpractice on their part. 
Is it possible greens kept? I suppose I don't want to have the blinders on so much so that I, that I will. It's it out. possible. I'm not going to sit here and 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 say it's impossible, uh, especially because not knowing what's going on really with Herbig, even though Her- Yo, Herbig says, yeah, I'm good and all like that. But I, I would put his percentages very, very low. I'm not going to unequivocally say there's no way Kendrick Green's on this 53-man roster, but I, it will raise my eyebrows if he is. I would have a hard time understanding why exactly. I guess if he was, it would be he's the guy that has the most experience at center, and we, we value that. But obviously the quality of that play is a totally separate discussion. Does this technically improve Green's odds? Sure. When you when you get rid of a player like Dotson that had a chance to make the 53, everyone's odds are better. Bill Dunkel's odds are better making the 53. Will he actually do it? No, he's not. And so my my thought when people ask about does this help Kendrick Green, technically it may. And again, neither of us are ruling out him making the 53, but you can easily create a nine-man offensive line group on this roster that is good and strong and deep and checks all the boxes that does not have Kendrick Green on it. And that is a the starting five plus your four backups of Broderick Jones, Nate Herbig, and the two names we just mentioned, Spencer Anderson and Dylan Cook. Cook's going to be a guy, if he makes it, that people will go, who is that guy? Mm-hmm. But if you listen to us, and I've been talking about him since the Friday Night Lights practice, the first time that Dylan Cook really popped to me, and I mentioned him there, and I've been talking about him since. Cook may be that surprise name to to the outside world that makes the 53. Uh, I wrote the other day about, you know, strong preseason for him could lead to a 53-man roster spot. This is obviously before the Dotson deal. And in there, you know, if you uh, I link back to July 8th, 2023, where uh, you wrote about, I don't know, three or four, four articles, I think, uh, uh, training camp sleepers. Uh, in the month of July and Dylan Cook, uh, you had listed as as one of them uh, in there. So uh, this guy is has not been should not be in for 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 readers and listeners. He should not be an unknown, although <laughs> there are going to be a lot of interviews surface with with <laughs> Dylan Cook, uh, you know, in this next week, if he does indeed make the 53 man roster. Cause it seems like a lot of the media are behind on him. Yeah. And, and maybe some are coming around to him late. I'm not quite sure, but we've been, you know, he's been on our radar for a while. And that last day at camp, when he moved up the second team tackle, then he got some guard reps. Actually, I think it was the last couple of days at camp. He was getting second team reps over the Raven Clark and got guard reps the final day at camp and his tape's been good. So, you know, Pittsburgh, they, I don't think they want to expose that guy to waivers. I know it can be oversaid to say, oh, that guy's going to get claimed. Most players don't, but talented young offensive linemen with some versatility are more likely to be claimed than others. There's a, a lack of O-line talent in the NFL. Teams lose a bunch of players. For example, the Colts and the Buccaneers will probably look for offensive linemen at center, not tackle, not cook, but you know they, they have injuries there. And it's just an O-line star of the world. And so you hold on to talented offensive linemen because those are guys that you really risk losing if you expose them to waivers. Yeah, I'm not one every offseason that gets caught up in, uh, oh, man, you can't waive that 
<laughs> that that young player because he'll never clear waivers. Look, there have been situations over the years where it has been a lot more obvious than others where you do wonder about, oh, is this rookie or this undrafted free agent uh, 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 going to clear clear waivers and. Quite honestly, when it comes to like first and second year play, you know, guys that that aren't rookies, you don't generally see a lot of those guys, uh, uh, you know, picked up through. The, I mean, it does happen, obviously, but uh, I, I think less so when it comes to to Steeler players that are uh, non rookies. When it comes to the uh, initial cut down a waiver process being claimed, but I. And I think you stated it best, you know, when it comes to offensive linemen specifically, especially if you got a ver- you know, a position versatile guy uh like Cook, who's who who does already have, you know, you know, some limited, you know, NFL tape overall, if you go back to, you know, uh preseasons and all like that, uh with him, it it does feel like there might be a question about whether whether or not he could make it through waivers or not. So why risk it? Uh, especially if you're planning on keeping nine and not here's, here's the other wrench in this whole system here, I guess right now is, and it doesn't seem as likely now, but especially with what's out, what, what, what's out there or what might be out there is, is if this team was to add another center on the Mm -hmm. outside, you know, and, and still only keep nine then you could get in a position where it, it might be Anderson or Cook, I suppose. Uh, but it, it it does feel like, or you could just keep ten, but you'd right. have to you'd have to cut from 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 somewhere else, you know, another position group uh, to be able to do that. I wrote an article yesterday about some veteran center options, and I think they all make some level of sense for Pittsburgh. I still believe Jimmy Morrissey is the the one name that stands above the rest. Although, as I mentioned, you have teams like the Colts and Tampa Bay that are going to be looking pretty hard for some center help. But as I went through that list and kind of stepped back after I wrote it and, and looked at it, I don't really see anybody as the upgrade over a Nate Herbig. And at the cost of cutting... Somebody else, a Cook and Anderson, another position. I really just struggled to see the guy that would be like, okay, let's get this guy to become our immediate backup center. So I think Pittsburgh may just stand pat with the group that they have. I, I'm feeling that way now as well, too, especially when you look and and I've been trying to find and you did write about some good, you know, five, five decent, you know, potential center options for the Steelers uh on, on the outside. But you know, how many of those do you really get excited about? Yeah, Morrissey was really the only one that felt appealing to me. To go back to the point about O-line scarcity, just to to finish that thought, there were three NFL trades yesterday, Dave, not just the Kevin Dotson one. There was him and two others, and they all involved offense alignment, where the Browns and the Patriots made a deal, the Patriots trading your guy, running back Pierre Strong, to Cleveland for an offensive tackle, Tyrone Wheatley Jr., and then later the Patriots acquired an offensive lineman from Minnesota for a six-round pick. So. When these trades happen, these player trades aren't, you know, the most, they're not like basketball or baseball where they're happening at a crazy, crazy pace. But when they do occur, often there are offensive linemen involved because, again, the, the talent level is so scarce in this in this league. There are just few good offensive linemen. And when you have one, they're valuable and teams are always searching for them. Right. I, I would agree on that. So I, I you know, at this point I, I would be a, a little bit surprised if they go outside and add a center here. 
Same, same. All right, Dave, any other final thoughts here on Kevin Dotson? No, no. Okay. Um, let's get to some other weekend news that occurred prior to the Dotson deal. And this was on Saturday around 4.30. The Pittsburgh Steelers made their first wave of roster cuts ahead of the Tuesday deadline. So it's maybe earlier than expected, but Pittsburgh having that Thursday game to give them a couple extra days instead of playing on the weekend like most of the NFL. So Pittsburgh releasing eight players. Or players, or I'll read the names off here. Um, cornerback Madre Harper, cornerback Neville Clark, defensive lineman James Mwaya, kicker B.T. Potter, linebacker Keone Dang and Forrest Ryan, long snapper Rex Sunohara, and wide receiver Dan Chisena. So those were the initial eight. And then a ninth player was waived yesterday, and Eric Cruikshank, the wide receiver, uh, that was just signed last week. They'll give themselves some depth there for the finale against Atlanta. So with the nine players either cut or waived, released, whatever you want to say, plus Dotson being gone, Pittsburgh's roster's down to 80 as they make their march to 53 by Tuesday. Yeah, none of those names did uh, left me left my jaw <laughs> on my desk here uh, overall. Uh, I, I don't. I didn't have any of those guys obviously making the fit. A few of them, I think I might, might have to the practice squad. And some people are saying, well, you know, is, is there a potential that some of these early cuts could end up back on the practice squad? Yeah. I mean, the, the, you know, uh, maybe you put them out there on waivers this early, a few of them, because teams aren't going to claim them uh, off, off waivers. And, and this gets them through the initial uh, waiving, at this point, I mean, which would obviously be the case after the 53-man roster is set and all like that on top of it there. But uh, it gets them kind of a little bit out of sight, out of mind, a little earlier in the process here. We'll see if any of these guys in, in, end up back on the on the Steelers practice squad. It's possible. It's possible. I mean, the early cuts may suggest it's less likely. These are kind of the quote-unquote easier, more expected names. Nobody really had any inkling these guys were going to make it we did have a discussion about Sunahara versus Christian Kuntz heading into the training camp but I think Kuntz clearly outplayed Sunahara I don't think Sunahara snapped all that well including in this game against Atlanta I think he had kind of a, a high snap it was kind of a, just an awkward spot for a Braden man to to snag it Harper was an interesting guy with his size his length he had one or two good days of practice uh Mwaya, a rookie and that really struggled uh, Chisena has NFL experience as a, as a coverage and teams guy from Minnesota, but he's a track guy that uh, was very, very quiet overall. And then many of these players like Clark and Dang and Ryan were signed late in the summer as some, uh, you know, depth and to kind of get them through the last couple of uh, practices, a training camp and the preseason. So their names that, that came and went pretty quickly. Right. And then Cruikshank, uh, you know, again, kind of in that same boat there. So, Right now, again, Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh's roster standing at 80, and they'll make those cuts by Tuesday at 4 p.m. along with the rest of the NFL. So, uh, Dave, I'm gonna, I got to suppress a cough here. So uh, let's get into our 53-man roster predictions. And well, well, talk real, about real our, quick, our I, I mm -hmm. think one of the biggest takeaways uh, from, from these cutdowns is uh, the fact that two of your three backup specialists uh, were included in that, and the third right. special backup specialist that was not was Braden Mann. So uh, I think that if you if once again if you uh, if you uh, take out your tin foil hat 
you could you could say, hey, this might be a guy that uh, we think that we can uh, get some trade talk generated on here. So uh, I I would not be shocked at this point if in the next uh, 24 whatever hours it is that uh, the Steelers wind up uh, finding a trade partner uh, to 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 trade for uh, backup punter Braden Mann. It's a good point, and we mentioned this on Friday. It's happened before with Brad Wing, and you at least hold on to the guy as long as you can because you just never know who might come calling at the last second and, and cave and say, okay, I'll give you a seventh-round pick for, man, we need a punter, and you know we don't want to have to deal with the waiver game and all that kind of stuff. So uh, you can't rule it out right now. Right. All right, let's jump into our dueling roster predictions, and these were made post the initial eight cuts, but I don't think any of us had James and Waya or Neville Clark on our roster. I made, so. I made mine before, before the eight cuts were made. Oh, they were. Okay. I'm sorry. Um, okay. They were before the eight cuts. Mine were after the eight cuts, but, uh, but before the Kevin Dotson trade, but again, it really did, it did not impact the calculations all that significantly. So let's go through, we'll go, we'll compare things position group by position group. Obviously a lot of similarities here but our rosters are not identical. And we'll talk about the differences here in just a moment. So quarterback, both keeping three in the same three of Kenny Pickett, Mitch Trubisky and Mason Rudolph. Really no debate here, Dave. Yeah, no, no debate. And that's been my three. I know it's been your three uh, throughout this process. To me, there's not, there's not really that much to, you know, anything at all to uh, discuss here. They tried to give, you know, kudos to them to at least give, give Tanner Morgan some work throughout the preseason uh, there. It just, you know, didn't, did he do enough to overtake a guy like Mason Rudolph, especially at, at the salary that Mason Rudolph's at? I, I say no. At running back, we're the same three with Najee Harris, Jalen Warren, and, and Anthony McFarland Jr. Obviously, Harris and Warren have had their spots written in pen since uh, the, the year began. But McFarland, that was the guy I was watching, and I think he did enough in this finale, although we never got a good feel for him as a kick returner. I think... Pittsburgh's more likely to stick with him than go an external option. I just wonder now at this point, if he did enough to maybe even get himself, uh, tr you know, trade, <laughs> uh, uh, tradable at this, you know, at this point, kudos to him. He's had a great summer. And, uh, if you go back to my first initial, uh, 53 man roster, uh, prediction with him, you know, I, I I just wondered if that special teams value was going to be enough uh, for him overall, uh, you know, to, 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 to warrant him getting a spot, but I think he's done more than enough. It does seem like they're, they're at least headed towards the fact of, 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 uh, let them at least start the season as the kick returner there. So, you know, kudos to him. You know, it seems like we've had, had a conversation, the, you know, at least a lot, you know, a year ago, uh, about, about Anthony McFarlane is, yeah, he has good summers, but you're know, a good summer, but couldn't make the roster. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it feels like this year will be the year that he makes the roster. Playing time will be hard to come by, but he should be the, the starting kick returner and maybe filters in occasionally. I'm not entirely sure, but but that should at least be his role, kick returner. Now things get a little bit interesting. At wide receiver, we are the same, although I imagine we both kind of wrestled with, with what direction to go here, but keeping just five in Deontay Johnson, George Pickens, Allen Robinson, Calvin Austin, and Miles Boykin. So we both leave off Gunnar Olszewski from our list. Yes. Uh, How tough was that decision? For it, you? It, it was very tough for me because I've, I've wrestled with a couple of spots here. And in, 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 you know, my, 
in my previous, my second to last one, uh, I think I put, I, I wrote something that, you know, gets my better judgment. I'll, I'll, I'll put Gunner on here going in ahead of the, the final preseason game. I, I, I definitely wrestled with it, but the numbers, what I wanted to do at other positions caused me to have to uh, only keep five in total. Uh, I just, what does Gunner really bring bring to this team? I mean, yeah, you know, back up. Uh, assuming uh, Calvin Austin III is going to be your your primary punt returner, uh, uh, Olszewski could be you know this year's Stephen uh, Sims, where you know you keep a six, but you make him in 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 inactive uh, unless something happens there. From a, from the other outside, you know, Gunner has been a okay special teams player in you know in 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 the past. I just wonder if he's still that guy, and I wonder if he's he's a guy that that if you're talking about 51, 52, 53rd player on a roster, how much you're actually banging the table for when when it comes mm-hmm. to him. They like Gunner. He's got some versatility. He's had a good summer. I'm not going to be shocked if they keep him. But I think obviously he'd be a week one inactive, and I just don't know what his role would be and how he would get active. Obviously, I think it would take an injury, but it's not going to be the starting kicker punt returner. The slot receiver works already spoken for. He is costing you a little bit to be a you know deep reserve inactive. I, I just lost where exactly he's going to help you the most short or even longer term this season. Right. Uh, I once again he is one of. I, you know, I think there's a good uh, five or six guys here that you could say you can make a strong case that they end up on the 53. In other words, kind of bubble, uh, mm-hmm. bu- bubble guys, if you will. Sure. He was my basically 54th player on my, my roster prediction. All right, let's get the tight end. And this is really interesting here, Dave. Uh, we both have Pat Frymuth, Darnell Washington, Connor Hayward. Those are layups. We differ on the fourth. We both keep a fourth tight end, which is not guaranteed, but I'm keeping Zach Gentry and you're keeping Rodney Williams, Dave. If you <laughs> nail this, man, you could take all the victory laps for life. Like, I mean, explain this one. I, I, I think it's really interesting. Well, I mean, I've talked about Gentry for most of the offseason here, uh, wondering just how safe he really is. And then, uh, now look, I, I, you know, we understand now at this point that he's got some, you know, was in, in, in some sort of what walking boot, I guess, but you know, I don't, I don't think uh, that that injury's termed uh, serious at, 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 at this point, but even a healthy Zach Gentry, what does he really give you other than a big body? Uh, overall, it's not like he's a huge, uh, it's it's not like he's a huge special teams asset, I, I don't think. And even if he's out there as a second tight end on offense, to me, doesn't give you a whole heck of a lot, you know, a, 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 as a blocker there. Uh, I thought about just carrying just the three in general in, uh, obviously, Pat Firemuth, uh, uh, Washington, and, 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 and Connor Hayward, who's, slash Hayward, if, if, if you mm-hmm. will, because of how, you know, he's a, he's a fantasy flex or whatever you want to term him and all. But I, I, I did start looking, I pulled the, uh, some preseason tape 
uh, on special teams ahead of setting my final roster and all and, and going deeper into Rodney Williams, who e- even you agreed had a good camp overall Yes, uh, there. Uh, and, and you wrote about that. And, you know, I think mentioned several times during our podcast and your reports that, that Rodney Williams is having a good camp, different body type, obviously more of a, more of a, that, that kind of a, the, a flex guy than you would end of the line of scrimmage guy. But let me tell you, I, I thought Rodney Williams represented himself well on special teams throughout the, throughout the preseason here. And I think that he could be a guy that Danny Smith's pounding the table for uh, here, you know, saying that, look, you know, I, if given my druthers of a fourth tight end on this roster, that I, I'd much rather have Rodney Williams than I would uh, Zach Gentry there. So this is kind of a, and and if you're not going to have a guy like, you know, let's say, I, I think even if you kept Rodney Williams, Alex, if, if that wound up happening, I think, I, I think you do so with the intention of dressing him week one mm. on top of it for, for, for special teams ability. Now the rest of the way, the rest of my 53 uh, man roster prediction played out. Uh, I think it would come at if, if they kept him and they dressed him week one, then it could result in a guy like Mark Robinson, not getting a helmet uh, uh, as, as one of five, uh, inside linebackers that, that you keep on this roster here. So a lot of things played into this and my decision, A, it was I'm just not enthralled with uh, Zach Gentry top to bottom uh, in, in all aspects of the game. And then another aspect within that is Rodney Williams has had a great camp, albeit different body type, and I think he's a special teams asset. I understand the point on Gentry, and I think you're right. I think Williams quietly had a really good camp. I just I struggle to see how he's going to dress, and if he's you know if you're keeping him for special teams, then usually those guys are dressing. Otherwise, they really lose that value there. And I think he's someone that you can just put on the practice squad and call up if need be. I mean, isn't it? You, you'll have what's the, the 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 Brock Purdy rule is throwing me off a little bit here, but you're still going to have six inactives per game, correct? No, you you still dress forty eight, right? Well, they had they've had six inactives last year. Am I no, missing five? Five? Because the the thing that you're getting caught up there was was the was the elevations. That, oh, that, is that, that what it that was? That threw you out. Remember that if it, that you can dress as many as forty eight players, if okay. you have eight, if, if 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 eight of those players are offensive linemen that are dressed, right. Okay. Okay. So, uh, and, uh, and obviously if you have a 53 man roster, then five would be inactive. The thing is, is that your inactive list grows for, er for every elevation that, that you might have in that. So that, that's kind of probably what, what throws uh, people off in that. Now I, I, you know, the, the change, the way I understand it at least is that a quarterback, now you cannot elevate a, a quarterback from from your practice squad and then mm-hmm. and and then make him inactive and be the emergency guy. This this third quarterback rule has to be a guy that's on your on your 53 man roster. So let's say you did not elevate any any players in a week and you dressed eight offensive linemen and 48 players in total 
assuming a quarterback that's on a 53-man roster is one of those five inactives, he can get termed the emergency quarterback. Does that make okay. sense? Yeah, yeah. And I, I thought that's how it was. So he's got to be in the 53. And he's, he's if he's inactive, then he can still be deemed the emergency quarterback, correct? He'll, he'll, he'll dress even though he'll be technically inactive. Is that right. accurate? Right. He'll be listed like in the old days. He'll be listed as an inactive but third mm. quarterback. Emergency quarterback. Okay, so you're right. My, my apologies that, that Williams could dress. The question is, do you go Williams over or Mark Robinson? I guess is the question. Right. It, it becomes into your special teams. Uh, it plays into your special teams configuration would, yeah, would, but, would be would be my point. But I, 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 I admire the call here to kind of take the shot because he wasn't someone I really had considered. I think with Gentry, I understand you're right. He, he does not have the special teams value. His blocking is not as good as it should be. I just think for a team that wants to, to be big bodied and be physical up front and as some protection behind Washington, where if they lost him or if he struggled, whatever the case was, you have a, a similar body type to block some of these four, three defensive ends and, you know, just be an interior inline attached type of guy. I think Pittsburgh likes that. And so I, that's why I gave Gentry the slight edge over really was him versus Gunner as kind of the last spot on this roster. But the injury complicates things all the more. I know Tomlin said he's fine, but he's in a boot. And that's something you have to to think about. All right. So if uh, if if you're keeping Gentry, are you making him active on game day? Are you dressing? No, no? he's inactive. Yeah. He has okay. protection behind Washington, essentially. Okay. My my whole viewpoint on this is, is that, uh, and the reason I went the way, because I think uh, Rodney Williams would, would get a helmet. Okay. No, I understand that. And you're right. He, he certainly offers more special teams value than Gentry. There's no debate about that. The question is offensively, does he give you anything? You know, probably, you know, not much there. I mean... Uh... How does he rank as a blocker compared to, to, to Gentry, if we're being honest? I mean, I think the blocking reps are pretty limited, but he's that, like you said, kind of flex guy coming out of college. And there's some efforts on one, two, but he's not. He doesn't have the, he, they like Gentry because of the size. They like the rare size that Gentry has that he can match up against that 270-pound defensive end that plays in a you know against the Bengals in a 4-3 front, a Trey Hendrickson, a Sam Hubbard, somebody like that. And... That's why they, they like they like and they value Zach Gentry. It's why they went out and drafted a big body dude in Darnell Washington. All right. So uh, and look, I'm 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 not emphatically saying that Gentry won't make it. Uh, I just I kind of wonder because of the special teams play and what what Gentry is and is not. I I am I I obviously left open the opportunity for him uh, not to make it. If I miss, uh, if I only miss. You know, one, which would technically, I guess, be a miss of two, right? Because uh, you don't have one player on and you miss mm -hmm. one player. Uh, uh, th this obviously could be it. And I, I you know, I'm open to uh, the decision with Gunner as well, too. I, you know, we just talked about guys that are kind of on that fringe that you could have a conversation of will they or won't they be on. I think Gentry belongs on that list along with Gunner. Sure. No, I, I understand that totally, and I'm with you. So we'll see how the tight end situation shakes out. We've discussed offensive line quite a bit. Are we are we the same on O-line? I believe that we are, both keeping nine, and yes. I believe keeping the same nine with the starters, of course, of Moore and, say, Amalu, Cole, Daniels, the core four, and the four backups of Jones, Herbig, Anderson, and Dylan Cook. So I know we discussed this group kind of at length, talking about Kevin Dotson. Anything else to add here, Dave? Uh, 
you know, it'll be interesting to see what happens if, you know, once again, uh, I, I feel, and I know you feel strongly about Anderson and cook. Uh, will they, will they keep 10? I tend to think that they won't, uh, to me. And then obviously we already had that kinder green conversation, which I I would think would be malpractice to keep them not going to entirely rule out that possibility, uh, there, but I, you know, the other, other thing in it is, is, is there a center out there that they feel that they've got to have, uh, as a backup. But, uh, I, I feel pretty good about this nine, especially on the heels of the Kevin Dotson, uh, 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 trade, you know, last night. Who is, how should I phrase this? Who's in more danger of not making the 53 Spencer Anderson or Dylan cook? Yeah, that's a great question. I think, uh, I think Dylan Cook is is more in danger overall because Anderson obviously can give you uh, an emergency center uh, option. You know, I I think overall uh, there. So I would say uh, eight eight a nine a or eight however you want to eight, a eight B nine, a nine B. I don't know. I, I would rank Spencer Anderson a little higher than Dylan cook uh, for the fact that Spencer Anderson showed us during the preseason. He could play five positions and cook only played right tackle, left tackle and left guard. Yeah. I'm with you. I think Anderson uh, over cook right now, but I think both make it obviously because they have both on my 53 and I feel, I feel pretty good about that to be honest with you. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I had the Dylan cook blinders on. Maybe I'll be, I'll be shocked by it. And I, I thought his tape him. was good. And I, I think yeah. we even talked about uh, after the first preseason game, wasn't it? That we said, Hey, you know who looked good on the all 22 was Dylan cook. And see, once again, I'm at I'm at the mercy of I've got to I've got to let you be my eyes and my ears throughout throughout training camp until I can set set eyes on some of these guys in the preseason here on the tape. And uh, I, I thought thought he represented himself well out of the shoot. And I think by tracking and that's why people wonder why you guys track offensive line groupings in, 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 in camp and on, on through the preseason. And, uh, that's something I made sure. And I post, I had several posts about this throughout the preseason as well, too, of what these groupings look like, because it gives you the ability to look at how many do these guys move up in, in groups and how many positions, uh, 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 do they play? Uh, and, and for a guy like Dylan cook once, look, we knew Anderson was going to move around. We just didn't know how much you know, mm-hmm. uh, overall and Dylan cook, I, especially in that final preseason game, when you get, when you, when you get a look at him, uh, at, uh, at, at left guard to me, that kind of nailed it, to be honest with yeah. you. He looked good there yeah. for a guy that's basically never played left guard until probably that last day of camp. He looked comfortable. I, I, I agree. I agree. And, and, uh, at, I gotta be honest. I, I would be surprised if, if these nine aren't it. I'm with you. I, I mean, maybe that's hubris, but I'd, I'd be surprised as well. I think these are the nine. Okay. And, and just with cook, he's got good feet. He's got a good punch. He's a good scheme fit. He's got a big wide base. The length is decent. It's not overwhelming, but, but it's fine. It's like 33 and a half inch arm. He's really good for a guard, not average for a tackle, but it's just been good tape. It's been consistent. He's been versatile. He's been available and you want to keep young developing offense alignment. Let me ask one more question with the O-line, Dave. You're, you're only going to have eight active on game day we assume would cook be inactive i assume 
Uh, or Hugo Anderson is inactive and Cook it gets the hat as the last yeah, guy. Yeah, that's that. Uh, I, I think I keep I, Anderson a bit more versatile. Yeah, I would tend to think that Anderson would 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 get the helmet. So let's assume those are the eight. Who's your backup right tackle? Chuck Wilmore core four rolls an ankle week one. Who's right tackle? I think Dan Moore goes to right tackle and Broderick Jones comes in at left tackle. I'm with you. And let's say Mason Cole hurts his arm. Who's your backup center? Uh, Herbig. Herbig, I'm with you. So I think that's the configuration of how these things go. And I would I would and you you would agree, but I, I would like to have seen more of Herbig at center uh, during the preseason, but obviously the shoulder didn't allow that to happen. Yeah, I think Pittsburgh would have liked to see more of Herbig as well. Not a lot of snaps there for the backups in Herbig and Anderson at center, but if that's the biggest complaint of the preseason, I think you take it overall, and that basically is the biggest complaint of the preseason. All right, Dave, let's flip over to the defensive side of the, side of the football. Defensive line, I've wrestled with this quite a bit. Uh, maybe you have as well. Um, are we the same? I'm checking my my groupings here. We are not the same. So you are keeping – well, here's the seven you're keeping. Cam Hayward, Larry Ogunjobi, Keanu Benton, Armand Watts, Montrevious Adams, DeMarvin Leal, Isaiah Laudamoke. I am keeping – Kim Hayward, Larry Ogunjobi, DeMarvin Leal, Isaiah Laudamoke, Montrevious Adams, Keanu Benton, and Braden Fahoko. So you're keeping Watts. I'm keeping Fahoko. Yeah, I just I, I wonder about I wonder about Fahoko. I didn't get to see enough of him in the preseason snaps overall to 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 feel comfortable enough to uh, to write them in here, whereas obviously saw enough of, uh, in my opinion, of Watts and 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 louder milk there. Uh, if there, I mean, to to me, there's there's two questionable guys in my seven. Uh, and uh, you know, once again, I, I I came around on Montrevious Adams, who I had left out. My gut for most of the offseason told me, man, Montrevious isn't going to make it, but he can. You know, he didn't. I thought he played, you know, better. Obviously, in 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 that finale, they used him on the field goal team as well too. Uh, on on top of it, I think they like Montrevious Adams a lot more than 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 what I like him. So I think that was enough for me to put him in there. The 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 the, the questionable names that you could mix and match of two of the three, I think would be Watts, Loudermilk, and Fahoko. Mm-hmm. It sounds like it's going to come down to two guys for those, um, or excuse me, yeah, how do I want to say this? Two spots for those three guys is probably where it's headed. And with Adams, the thing that did it for me is not only did I did I think he played well in that finale, he didn't play a lot. He played seven snaps. He played the starting defensive snaps when Minka Fitzpatrick played seven, and I think Alex Highsmith played seven, and, and then he they all got out of there. And so that tells me they did not need to see much from Adams in this game. Obviously wanted to play Benton more coming off the ankle injury to see what he could do. But when you're playing only a couple of snaps in the finale, usually means you're going to make the roster. Okay. So for me, I mean, A, it came down I'm, to I'm me. Not gonna, I'm not going to be shocked at the seven that they, that they keep. It, you know, I, sure. it was a tough decision for me. Uh, I like Watt's versatility uh, more so than Fajoko's. And uh, I, I just wonder what they really think about you know, about those two players there. So once again, uh, this, this is a position group that I could very well see me missing on here. Well, I'm saying the same because I think your configuration of keeping Watts and Loudermoke and saying it's not a choice. It's, it's both and not either, or 
makes a lot of sense. But I went Loudermilk over Watts because I think the run defense for Loudermilk is just a touch better. He's a bit more consistent, a bit more steady. Although Watts is the better athlete, it's certainly the better pass rusher. Then ultimately, I went Fahoko over essentially Watts. And, and maybe I'm wrong. I know three nose tackles on paper looks heavy, but they just like the old butt-kicking nose tackles up front. And there was a comment that Carl Dunbar made couple weeks ago that you keep guys like Braden Boko. You need guys like Bahoko on your team to stop the run when it's late in the season. And if injuries ever, you know, nail this team the way that it did two years ago, I mean, the biggest thing you lost there was not pass rush, but your run defense. And you need to have guys that can anchor against the run and you can deal with the pass rush. You can manufacture that. You have edge guys that can do that. You can blitz DBs more. You can figure that out. It's harder to mask poor run defense and to scheme that up. So that's why I went with Fahoko over Watts, but it was a difficult decision. Yeah, the, th- the, 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 the three position groups that I really sat and thought about were wide receiver, tight end, and defensive line. Same. I'm with you 100%, Dave. All right, so inside linebacker, much easier here, both keeping five and the same five, Colt Holcomb, Landon Roberts, Quan Alexander, Mark Robinson, and Tanner Muse. The question is just how does that top three play? How do they rotate? Does Mark Robinson see snaps? But these should be the five. I would agree. I think, uh, and I think, although once again, you don't want to see it during a, during a regular season game. I think Muse gives you a little something, at least at, at, at inside linebacker. I think he's a good special teams player. I think uh, uh, if you kept these five you could have conversations weekly or could get into conversation weekly, depending on how the rest of the roster shakes out of, do you dress just four of these five? And I think Muse and his experience on, on special teams would might give him a, a leg up over a guy like Mark Robinson. If you were forced to choose between those two uh, for getting a helmet for special teams purposes. Yeah, I think Muse dresses. I think he led Pittsburgh in special team snaps this summer, and he may be one of the leaders in a multi-phase guy, four-phase guy come the regular season. Outside linebacker, even easier. The four being, in both of our predictions, TJ Watt, Alex Highsmith, Marcus Golden, and Nick Herbig. These are the four, and there's really no debate about that. Yeah, none. Zero. Good, good corn- four, too. I, I yeah. have, haven't been able to say that in a while. Yeah, it's a it's a really strong group, as strong and as deep as it's been, and I'm not sure when. At cornerback, both keeping six and the same six in Patrick Peterson, Levi Wallace, Joey Porter Jr., James Pierre, Chandon Sullivan, and Elijah Riley. I did put the caveat, though, on my explanation and my prediction is that I think Pierre makes the initial 53. I don't think he's on the team week one. I think Pittsburgh will swap him out for some other cornerback not on this roster right now, likely through a waiver wire or a free agent addition, you know, some more vested veteran, uh, potentially a trade, but that's probably a bit less likely. But point being, I think Pierre is there Tuesday at four. I don't think he's there Sunday, one o'clock, September 10th. Yeah, I, I, I could see your train of thinking there. Uh, the only- the only reason he's on mine is because of the gunner value. You know, sure. uh, I went back and tried to look at all the, uh, you know, they, they didn't, at least in, in my initial uh, search, they didn't use a ton of guys at gunner during the preseason. Now, can they go outside uh, the organization or might there be a surprise guy, uh, another corner 
that uh, that 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 maybe they keep. Uh, but I just I didn't. When you when you look at roster construction too, you would think that if you replace if you replace a guy like Pierre one for one, you would think that he would have to play some special teams and and more specifically possibly Gunner, right? Yeah, replacing Pierre. Yeah, I think absolutely he would have to have a special teams role and probably be a Gunner. I mean, there are some other options. I think Joey Porter Jr. could be a Gunner option. But and and Pierre has done that role, you know, well enough. He's not as good as Miles Miles Boykin, but he's you know he's 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 fine. He's probably above average. But I just think he's frustrating with his inconsistent play and poor technique. And the coaches are just saying this guy's never been able to figure it out, figure it out, get past beyond being a special teamer uh, cornerback. And so we're going to go find somebody else. Long story short, I, I don't think either one of us will be surprised if we get to the San Francisco game and Pierre's not on that 53. If you had to make a guess, will he be there come week one, come September 10th? If you had to go yes or no, what do you think? I would lean slightly to the yes. Okay, fair enough. All right, finally here for defense at safety, keeping the same four. I mean, if it's Patrick, DeMonte Casey, Keanu Neal, Miles Killebrew, you know, Kenny Robinson, Camp Darling early, Trey Norwood, you know, I think a guy that, that that has some talent, some value. I just couldn't find a way to put either guy on the 53, Dave. Yeah, I, I couldn't either. When you talk about, uh, did Kenny Robinson get gunner work? during? The I don't believe so based on the charting that I did. Uh, did you do the special team stuff or just, just, just the defense? I mean, I don't actually physically chart uh, with a, a spreadsheet, but I, I look at the tape and I write down some of the gunner configurations and I don't okay. recall him. I think he was getting some wing work on the punt team left wing, for example. Right, right. Had he, had he, uh, you know, I, he's the guy that you kind of wondered once you got to have about halfway through the, through training camp there, could, could he, could he make one last push at this thing? And I, and I, and I, I, I never saw it, but I, I, he is, we, when you talk about five or six kind of fringe guys that, you know, maybe just on the outside looking in, I, I think Kenny Robinson could be that guy, depending on on how roster figuration goes. I obviously left him off off of mine. Uh, you you left him off of yours, uh, but he is an intriguing guy, and maybe he's the kind of guy that you can get back to the practice squad. Yeah, I think he's a guy that is practice squad material. I just thought his in stadium work was a letdown. I thought it was a good camp at Latrobe. I thought in actual preseason action, he was not nearly as good as I thought he would look. Uh, special team snaps for him. Uh, he was the R3 on kick coverage. He was the LF1 on kick return. He was the uh, punt coverage uh, protection left wing. There you punt- go. Punt return, he was uh, DR1, DR2, DR3, and he was on the block team on the field goal okay. block, extra, extra. So no, 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 no gunner snaps for him. Right, right. All right, our specialists really chalk overall, especially with the uh, roster cuts. Although, you know, Braden Mann, as you said, still hanging around, but Chris Boswell, Presley Harvin, the third, Christian Kuntz, obviously DT Potter, Rex Unohara have been uh, released. And waived. Uh, now it comes down to a man versus Harvin. Do you think there's any chance that Presley Harvin is not punting week one for the Pittsburgh Steelers? 
I mean, I'm not going to paint myself that tight into a corner, but let me tell you, <laughs> this six, six, uh, six putts all inside of 20. It's not his fault that he didn't get uh worst field. <laughs> Damn the Steelers offense for being <laughs> uh, uh, so good. You know, uh, I think he did everything that he was asked to do in the situations that he was asked to do that I feel 99.8% confident that he'll be the, he'll be the punter. And I, and I truly believe the fact that they are holding on to man at this point who made a good push. I thought in the final preseason sure. game, uh, I, I truly believe they are holding on to him with, with maybe the hopes that somebody will call and give them something for him. No, it makes sense. I think at least there's no hurt in making the calls and holding on to him until the until four o'clock Tuesday, you know, afternoon. Just you never know. You no reason to, to release this guy early and, and not even explore that possibility. And, and you go through the last weekend of games and maybe somebody gets hurt or a punter evaluation. The team side says, ah, we don't like our guys internally. What are some external options? I know there's a bunch of teams looking for kickers around the NFL, including the Browns potentially. Uh, the 49ers have some kick, kick, kicking issues. That's not man, obviously, but I'm just saying specialists get evaluated here in these finales and teams start looking outside and all that kind of stuff. So we'll see what happens with him. But but I'm very, very confident, like you, that Harvin will be the punter week one for the Pittsburgh Steelers. All right. Uh, now let's let's talk in total. There's one other guy that I have in my notes here to kind of uh, potentially discuss, I think, when it comes to you know, maybe slight 53 man roster chance. And that would be Des Fitzpatrick. Okay. And I assume this gets back to the whole special teams value, gunner value. He showed off well there. We both have him on our practice squad. Do you think he may push for the 53? I just wonder if you, if, if, because he did get some gunner snaps. Mm-hmm. And did well. And did well. If you, wanted to go one less corner or if you basically if you wanted to go six wide receivers in total uh here and gunner not be the gunner Olszewski not be the six you could probably make an argument that that a slight argument that I would listen to that Des Fitz, Fitzpatrick could be the sixth and not gunner you could because there'd be more game day value out of the gate, but I think you have to have four outside corners to have just your top three, which are basically all starters or you know, starting caliber sub package guys in Wallace and Peterson and Porter, and then not a fourth guy where if you if somebody got hurt, you know, one of those top three names got injured, then you're really kind of struggling to get through a game. I uh, I just wanted to here are the guys that I here are the guys that I consider true true kind of bubble guys as we get into this des okay. Fitz, des fitzpatrick uh gunner olszewski uh both zach gentry and rodney williams uh dylan cook uh armand watts and braden fahoko and james pierre okay i would probably agree with every name on that list much what else i would add in there but yeah, I think that that's a fair assessment overall. Uh, and look, that that's a good position to be in, right? When you're when you're kind of uh, questioning, you know, could could you make, you know, obviously roster construction and special teams play all plays into this. But those are guys that I kind of would think that 
you know, when we do the, when we do the mock drafts, you know, every year we do players to consider, mm-hmm. uh, oh, yeah, the others uh, considered, yeah. uh, uh, others considered here. Uh, I, I think that's the short list of, 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 of guys that, that, uh, you could make arguments for. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I'm, I'm with you. So, and then practice squad, you know, there's going to be some outside guys, probably not worth going through every single right. name, but some notable, notable names you have there, some more veteran types, the Raven Clark, you have Kenny Robinson, Braden Fajoko, be one of those veteran exception types of guys. And, um, you know, probably some outside names getting added as well. I guarantee you, I will not hit this uh, practice, <laughs> uh, practice squad because, you know, there's so many outside factors yeah. that, 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 that come into play with it. And will they do, yeah, well, they do an exact uh, eight-eight offense-defense split, and how much does special teams value play into that? And it's just so many damn variables, you know, in, in, involved there. Was there any particular reason you left Trenton Thompson the safety off your practice squad list? Is there any just thought there, or just ah, uh, just you know, trying trying to piece this together quickly, you know, and okay. try to try to uh, he got he got. He got cut out by the numbers game and the outs and and the outside edition game because I have like maybe a uh, an outside cut tight end maybe landing on the practice squad if if Rodney Williams lands on the fifty three and you know maybe an outside wide receiver maybe they're looking at I you know I don't know so I mean, you could have another hour and a half conversation about potential practice squad guys. Yeah. All right, so we both have the same uh, offense-defense configuration for our roster, 26 on defense, 24 on offense. Is there anything else I wanted to ask you about? Um, Who is your rundown slot corner based on your roster prediction, Dave? Who's that that Arthur Millette type of guy? Uh, Rundown, probably Riley. Okay, I'm with you. I think think he would get the hat over Sullivan, which I believe we both have reflected in our – active and active prediction. So I think he'd be that, uh, that rundown type of nickel. Based on my 53 man roster. Uh, I think I would have Mason, uh, either Anderson or cook. I think I listed Anderson in here, louder milk, Robinson and Sullivan as, uh, as, as, as the five inactives with, Rudolph obviously being the emergency quarterback, if indeed they only took 53 into a Sunday. Okay. I screwed mine up and, and accidentally had the six enacted. So so let me just change it here on the fly. My five would be Rudolph with the emergency third quarterback designation, Gentry, Cook, Fahoko, and Sullivan. I'd have Mark Robinson getting the hat. Okay. But I think overall, I think we'll be close. Um I think we were really good last year. I don't, I don't know if I'll be good, as good as I was last year. I think I basically nailed, I think almost everything last year. I don't know. I'm not as confident this is going to be the, 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 the big um, canary in the coal mine. And we don't think it's going to happen. We don't know. We don't know. Will there be an IR situation? Somebody that gets, uh, you know, kept for the IR to return. And obviously they have to make the initial 53, but you always wonder about those things. And do veterans get cut for the go round like Trent Scott last year? You just, you never know what might be sneaking up behind you. It's like going into camp every year and you say, well, we think that the PU that will have a clean uh, PUP sheet. And Mm. then you don't really know what's going on behind closed doors. It sounds like guys like Ogan Joby and Gentry, you know, if he, if he decide, if they decide to keep him and, and Herbig, it sounds like those guys are, are, are good to go, but we don't, we don't know the exact, 
you know, status of all those guys and any other maybe bumps and bruises or something like that. So we'll know a little more than 24 hours from now, I think. Yeah, we'll find out. Tuesday at 4 p.m. Eastern time. So our differences on our roster is you're a tight end. You're keeping Williams. I'm keeping Gentry. At defensive line, you're keeping Watts. I'm keeping Fajoko. And is that it? I think those are the differences in our roster prediction. I think that's it. And then, again, I have Pierre making the, the initial 53, but predicting that he uh, will, will not be there come week one. But we're going to count Pierre as you know right or wrong if he's there Tuesday at 4 o'clock. All right. All right, Dave, anything else you have to talk about? A ton of, we're talking about a ton today with the dots and, and the cuts, and we're going to have you guys covered for when the rest of the cuts come in. We'll have our tracker going. We'll have an initial 53-man roster. Any trades to make her? It's, uh, it's a lot happening here, but any other uh, final thoughts? Anything I'm missing, Dave? No, I think we, 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 we hit on the most of it there, right? Yep. So let's get to a couple of reader emails and close out today's show. Reminder, no live stream tonight. That'll be next Monday. So we'll be able to react to the actual uh, roster as it's set heading into week one. So live stream next Monday. All right. uh, Nicholas Gooden writes in still victory Monday, right? He says, I'm taking my hat off and handing it to Omar Khan, Andy Wido and the whole front office feels like They've been been elite at improving roster weaknesses. Curious if you would be able to find out the total of total number of different inside linebackers on the Steelers roster since one year ago or so. They uh, identified the roster weakness, attacked it, and hopefully now uh, we have some consistent names at inside linebacker for a few years at least. So he wants to know. Find out the total number of different inside linebackers on the Steelers roster since one year ago or so. I mean, is he wanting to go all the way back to a uh, 90-man roster? Oh, no, he says uh, no. He says one year ago or so. I mean, look, I mean, you had uh, – uh, well, look, you had Devin Bush, right? You know, mm-hmm. who, who, who was on the roster, Robert Spillane, who's no longer on the roster, obviously. I'm trying to see what exactly he's trying to be. Is he talking about guys that were added like Tay, Tay Crowder during the off, so. off yeah. season and, you know, uh, Chappelle. And I mean, obviously, you're going to have a lot of numbers at the position group, especially on a 90 man roster, because you need numbers there. Uh, uh, to practice with. So, I mean, it, 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 it's, it's, it's not a, it's not a worthwhile, I don't think exercise to go over the entire names. I think the worthwhile exercise to look at is just look, look at the uh, total turnover of the room since the 53 man roster last year. Yeah. I mean, the names are the names. It was Bush, Miles Jack, Robert Spillane, Mark Robinson, Marcus Allen last year. And then later Tate Crowder got added, Chappelle Russell on the practice squad. Um, and then the group that we've had this year, we've talked about. So those are basically all the names there. The group looks better. I'm not entirely sure what, if there was a point to the, uh, the question, but, but those are the names and hopefully the unit will, will play better than a season ago. Nicholas, I, I, you know, we'll, we'll leave it at this. They have done a good job of addressing, uh, uh, the positional need and, a uh, little bit of a question going into preseason, I, I think, uh, or in, in the, uh, just before training camp. You know, once they got Quan Alexander uh, on this roster, and then more specifically, once you saw Holcomb, uh, Landon Roberts, and 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 Hol- uh, and Alexander, and really Mark Robinson and Tanner Muse play all play uh, during the preseason. Uh, the takeaway should be that they're in a better spot positionally 
with those five than they were with the five they had last year. Yeah, I know it's just preseason, and it's probably not going to always look this good as it did in the summer, but I just think the physicality, the intensity, the run defense of this group, the, the well-roundedness of Holcomb, some of the experience and veteran presence that these guys are bringing um, is all going to make this group better. Is it going to be the best group in football? No, but I think it will be a, a serviceable group. Uh, James writes in, this alone, uh, Dave and Alex, great podcast, great website. Keep up the good work. You were wondering on the podcast about how how to get Nick Herbig into the rotation and get him snaps. My questions are, looking at your play charting for games where T.J. Watt played the whole game, i.e. not injured for the last two years, can you find out what his distribution of rest snaps are in relation to first, second? He's got a lot of, can you find out distribution of snaps in relation to first, second down, first, second, third, fourth quarter? Can you find out the distribution of rest snaps in relation to field position? Uh, look, we have the charting for that, but for us to pull it up on the fly right now from, from, from 2021, 2022, uh, would, would, would take a lot of time. Uh, I get your overall sentiment. Look, Terrell Austin, even a couple of days ago in so many words said, you know, there are going to be opportunities to get Nick Herbig on the field. Uh, what that will look like in relation to TJ Watt specifically and getting him off the field. Uh, we'll see. And don't forget, you've got another guy over there in that room and Marcus Golden that he got, he gets lost in the shuffle because of how fantastic Nick Herbig's, Herbig's preseason uh, was there. So, uh, you know, that, that, that's, that's, that's something else to, to, to consider here. They should make a concerted effort in, 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 in some of these longer drives specifically to, to, to try to get TJ Watt some rest time overall, but God, yeah, I, the research related to Watt from two, from 2021 to 2022 might not necessarily be an indication of 2023 because also your backups are seen better sure yeah it's hard to say i mean you know this year will be the same as last year i mean tj watt we can go through all the numbers i'm sure and i can try to you know pull up the charting not not today not now but tj watt comes off when he's tired i mean when he's when he's tired he needs a break he'll put his hand up like they take him off they may hold him out for the start of one series as a way to kind of you know keep him a bit fresher um but it's generally just based on how long the drive is and did the offenses go three and out and how does TJ feeling? And last year he was conditioning was never as strong as suit. Cause when you're coming back from the injury, you have all this time off, had the knee surgery last year too, probably was getting winded more often. Um, so a lot of factors to go into that, but TJ comes off when he's tired and that's basically all you have to know. Right. Anything else uh, here from the email? Uh, let's see here. We have Finn writes in punting metrics. Uh, Finn from Ireland here. Big fan. Thanks to uh, all you do for Steelers Nation. Uh, given you, neither of you've ever played quarterback in the NFL. That is a correct statement. It's a heavy cross to bear. I'm sure I noticed conversation Alex had on Twitter about punting needing context. And it made me realize there is no advanced pet metrics on punting to give context that I'm aware of. He says, I propose a more useful metric than total yardage is percent total of yardage achieved. If you land on the 30, uh, punt, if you, if you land a 30 yard punt on a 35 yard, or on a 35 on a 35 yard field 85% is way more impressive than a 30 yard punt on an 80 yard field 38% also a, a ratio of fielded versus return uh basically he's talking uh, 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 about 
uh, punter metrics. And I, I will say this. I did this a couple of years ago with uh, during the offseason, and I did that very thing where I went through the play-by-play charting and uh, punt, punting relative to uh, field position and, and, and that kind of stuff. It's not something – maybe this is something for Clayton to uh, – you know, uh, uh, to, to track with the, cause he can pull that kind of in one quick punch, I think with some, some of the, uh, uh, stats mining that he does, but yeah, look, I mean, I, I get your point that, you know, not all 30 yard putts are created equal and, and, and that should be the main takeaway. And, and, you know, there's some people that have come after us saying, well, what did Harvin do so good during the preseason, uh, when you look at his net average, but he was also a prisoner of the field position. Yeah, I mean, you're right. Some of the baseline stats for punters are leaving out plenty of those of that context. I think net average is a thing you look at. I mean, there is the inside the 20 number, but it's probably a fair critique that that feels a bit antiquated. Uh, you know, if you're punting down at the 19 or at the four, there's a big difference between those two things. Maybe there should be an inside the 10 number, something like that. To maybe quantify some of those real pin deep backed up uh, punts that, that uh, you know, are very advantageous for a defense. So. I mean, we look at more than just obviously just pure average. That That's a pretty unreliable number, and there probably needs to be some more advanced analytics when it comes to punting. I'm, I'm on board with that. Right. Uh, I am as well, too. Maybe that's something Clayton uh, can 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 dig up as the season goes along there. Uh, let's see. Luke writes in, uh, hey, guys, with, with, with the preseason, the Steelers had, I think, Mike Tomlin's plan and execution from coaching standpoint was flawless during camp and preseason games. I think the real offseason preseason MVPs have been the management and the coaching staff creating and implementing a team identity and working to integrate both existing and new players. What grade do you give – do you guys give Mike T this this preseason? Do you think he is influencing offensive strategy and play calling more or simply giving Canada expectation and being more hands-off? I, I don't think Mike's playing a huge part in offensive strategy. I think this is a collective, obviously, offensive strategy. Matt, Matt Canada says this is what Mike, you know, this is what, because Mike's the head coach, right? You know, mm-hmm. he, uh, given the directive of this is what he wants to focus of 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 the offense. Uh, I don't think he's. I don't think he's. I wouldn't guess that he's micromanaging Matt Canada as far. I, I think there's just a, more of a. This is what we want our identity to do, and you work around that with with this personnel that we gave you. Now, as far as grades, I think Mike's done. I think the entire organization as a whole for the entire offseason gets an A. Yeah, it's hard not to. I think based on the roster improving, the preseason being a, about as good as you can script it, and to the other part, you know, it's hard to say for sure. I don't think Tomlin's role or involvement has changed too terribly much compared to a season ago. If anything, it may be even in some ways a bit less because there's more definition in terms of this is our quarterback and this is our structure and roles are a bit more defined. Guys are a bit older, more experienced, and so maybe need a little less of the the hand-holding and kind of, okay, but he knows what to do, so let's just go ahead and do our job. But Tomlin talked about, you know, in the offseason, um, meeting with Kenny Pickett each morning during team development. I assume that was during OTAs and minicamp, and so there's obviously, you know, a lot of hands-on work, but I don't want to pretend it's radically different than probably where it was a year ago. All right. Uh, let's see. We get one more in here from... 
Jeff Kinney says, route running. Would love to hear you compare contrast in routes run by Deontay and George on a respective explosive plays versus the Falcons. Uh, DJ creating separate. Didn't you just do a video on, on this? Well, it was about, um, it wasn't about those two players in particular, but it was about the art to running the deep ball as wide receivers coach Frisman Jackson teaches it. He, he, he specifically mentions in here, G, uh, Pickens coasting down the right sideline with the minimal separation on that, uh, deep play that he had. Yeah, I, I, maybe that's a reference. I believe that JT O'Sullivan for his quarterback school YouTube video got on Pickens for that. I've not actually uh, gotten time to watch that video, so I don't I don't know exactly what O'Sullivan had to say. Um, all I know is that Pickens makes these catches that are ridiculous, and and sometimes, and I'm not speaking to this situation, but sometimes the really athletic kind of long striders don't look like they're moving that fast when they are moving pretty fast. Um, Pickens will never be a big time separation guy, but he does, he does win contested and he does it better than just about any, any wide receiver in football. Yeah. Look, and here's the thing too, you know, when, when, if, if he's running full speed, you know, you, you don't know the relation to what the quarterback sees and what the quarterback's expecting and all like that. Uh, if he is running full speed, is that ball underthrown? <laughs> you know, where's the, where I, you know, there, there, I understand because especially when JT lays this out in his video, there is, it seemed a little bit of, uh, uh, oh crap, he's going to throw it to me kind of thing. But you don't, not, not knowing, I understand where the pushback's coming, uh, from that on, on, on Pickens, but it's, 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 it's impossible to kind of decipher overall, I, I think. Yeah, and I haven't gone back and examined it under that lens. Maybe I should, but I would also just say that Pickens, you know, had more limited runway than Deontay. Deontay was that catch was what at the line of scrimmage was what Pittsburgh's ten yard line, whatever it was. And so Johnson has the entire field. Pickens catches that one at at the you know inside the five. And so if you run full speed, you run out of real estate in the back of the end zone and all that kind of stuff. So I just want to put the context of, of how much room those guys had in front of them as well. That, that's an important factor too. That plays into part that we don't know. You know, right. uh, but I, I understand, I understand where the questions coming from in that, especially with, with, with JT highlighting that saying, uh, what are we doing here? <laughs> he says that a lot during his video. What are we doing here? <laughs> uh, uh, there, but I mean, it, 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 it's impossible to answer, I think. Yeah. But I, I really thought it was interesting and I, I nerded out a bit and, and maybe you know only a small section of people really appreciate that stuff. But to compare the Calvin Austin touchdown versus Cruikshank, you know, being quote unquote overthrown, but it really was just because Cruikshank slowed himself down by looking back too early. So the devil's in the details, man. And, and you know, you can run fast, but if your technique's not good, you're going to you're going to be slow on the field. So I thought that was a really interesting chance to compare, you know, when it's run correctly, the results, a touchdown and when it's run incorrectly. You get incompletions. All right. Uh, I think that's got it. We're about an hour and a half, too, so we need to wrap this up. Going to be a busy day ahead of us here uh, today with the Steelers practicing after not practicing because of a team team building uh, function. Uh, so they said on Sunday there. So you think Kevin uh, Dotson was at the function? Do you think they were like, ah, Kevin, you know, you, you, you wouldn't have a good time. You wouldn't like this I place. I have no idea. <laughs> I have no idea. Uh, all right, uh, we will get back after it again on Wednesday to recap uh, the cutdowns and any other news that happens. 
uh, between now and then. So it's going to be obviously a busy next couple of days here coming up uh, for the Steelers. And, you know, maybe I'll have a, 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 a more concrete salary cap update after all these moves are made and just going to be a bit. It's, it's obviously football season. So uh, uh, a lot to look forward to moving oh, forward. Hold on here. one second oh. here. Uh, oh, Tanner Muse is getting waived, according to Tom Pelissero. Huh. Did not oh. see that one coming. Uh, could he be someone that circles back? I don't know, but Tom Pelissero just tweeting Tanner Muse being waived. Boy, got, we got that one in under the wire there. That's, <laughs> Thank uh, you, Tom. Yeah, that's uh, that's quite interesting uh, development there uh, as well. Both of us obviously having Muse on our uh, 53-man roster to – what does it mean? What does it mean? You know, uh, is this a situation where maybe somebody's going to go to to IR and they're going to let him clear waivers, or are they just you know, uh, don't need him, done with him, only going to keep four inside linebackers potentially, and maybe uh, an extra another wide receiver? I don't know. So uh, this is this is an interesting development to close out this show, and something that I didn't see coming. Yeah, Dave, to get to your kind of core question, what exactly does this mean? You know, generally speaking, if it's going to be somebody that's going to be yo-yoed that comes off the roster to come back, it's usually see that with more of a vested player that happened with Trent Scott and maybe Marcus Allen last year when they put Calvin Austin and DeMonte Casey on uh, injured reserve, having to carry them initially. But, you know, could it be only four inside linebackers? Could it be Nick Kwiatkowski making the roster and some sort of big surprise move there. I mean, I guess you can't roll these things out. So I don't know where this thing's going to go, but we're going to find out soon. Yeah, I guess that's the big question is what, you know, if you truly didn't, you know, why Muse and not Kwiatkowski? Unless unless Kwiatkowski's going to make this 53. Right. Or or less neither making the 53 and they're just going to go with the top four. And if they're only going to go with the top four, then where are they going to be one heavy somewhere else? Yeah, but why okay. not? What, what's the rush to get Muse out there now? Uh, what, why not just include unless unless he's been told that and just it's leaking out and the official word won't come until Tuesday at what whatever you know? Right, I don't believe the move's official. It's just being reported out that this is direction. I mean, you know, because Pittsburgh played that Thursday game because last year I believe they played on the on that Saturday, so they were you know they didn't have a lot of time to turn around and make decisions. They have they have a lot of runway. They basically know what their fifty seven roster is. There's no the debates probably already been done. So. I think that's why you're kind of hearing some of this stuff early and why Pittsburgh made their initial cuts earlier than they typically do. Well, look, the uh, the initial nine have already been made official on the NFL sheet as of yesterday. Right. Uh, there. What if Muse is made official today and shows up it's on good, the sheet? It's a good question. Is that an indication they're going to try to get him to circle back in time as soon as possible to, to do it now? Uh, they got an off day tomorrow, so they won't. Be practicing tomorrow, so you get the waiver now, and he comes back for Wednesday. I guess that's uh, and and yeah, that'll be something we'll learn later in the day. But if Muse shows up on as an official as an official transaction uh, today, then there might be something more to it. If he doesn't, then it just might be out of picture there. So yeah. who knows? What a way to end the show. So. Yeah. That's some breaking news, and I'm sure there'll be a, there'll be a lot more news to talk about come Wednesday, but that's a heck of a way to end things for today.
All right. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Steers Depot. Follow Alex on Twitter at Alex underscore Kazora. Follow the show at Terrible Podcast. Email the show, theterriblepodcast at gmail.com. If you like what we do and want to donate to the cause, SteedersDepot.com, hit the donate button up right navigational bar. Also, if you like an ad-free version of the site, SteedersDepot.com, hit the ad-free button up right navigational bar that way. So uh, appreciate all the questions. Appreciate all the uh, listeners, readership, all, all like that. And until Wednesday, as always, thanks for listening to the Terrible Podcast with Dave and Alex.